When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is another Market Down Monday. In fact, it is the last. Market down Monday until next summer. Can you believe it, guys? I'm sad. I, I like marking it down because then we know when we're right and wrong. Plus, it's catchy. It is. I don't know it if I'm catchy. sad. I mean, it just means it's time to see if we are right or wrong. It's just the changing of the seasons. It's just uh, the leaves turning and whatnot. Uh, I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Doug Maurice and Stephen Means. And this is our weekly predictions that we do leading into the season. And this is the, the big one. Will Ohio State make the playoff and who's going to win the national championship or will Ohio State win the national championship may be the better way to look at it. Last year's results, as we discussed when we did our market down Monday redux a couple weeks ago, not great. Uh, I will say Doug and Steven did both have Georgia as the number one seed, which didn't end up coming to fruition, but they were the national champion. We all picked Ohio State to make the playoff. That didn't happen. Uh, we all picked Oklahoma to make the playoff. That didn't happen. Only one of us picked Alabama to make the playoff in any way. And that was who Georgia beat for the national championship. So factor that in. Uh, that was me. I had them as the four seed. Okay. And then I had, I had actually Clemson winning the national championship over Ohio state. Oh, so, okay. uh, so again, uh, take everything you're about to hear potentially with that grain of salt, but it, the 2021 was a little weird coming off of 2020. Maybe we'll do better with more data at our fingers coming into this season we're going to start off right away talking about ohio state and every year ohio state expects to be a playoff team i'm trying to imagine with the what we know about ohio state and kind of the reality that we live in right now the year where we would not predict ohio state to make the playoff because there's never another team in the big 10 that we assume is better yeah, I mean, I think it it has to it has to involve a young quarterback is part of it, right? Well, think, but not just a young quarterback. I think it would probably have to involve like a plan B at quarterback, or I would say young quarterback where you also lost everything that could have been his security blanket. So, twenty twenty four. Let's talk then. But maybe like last year, if Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave didn't exist. Going into the season, knowing what we knew then, we probably wouldn't have picked Ohio State going making the playoff. And I think it also depends on another team in the Big Ten having a quarterback. Yeah. Which right. is what you're That's saying, Stephen. It's like 2024 when it's year three of Drew Aller, year two yeah. of a starter at Penn State. And if Kyle McCord's one and done as the starter in 23 because he's too good, and now it's like second-year starter Drew Aller against 
first year starter Devin Brown and unless mm-hmm. Dylan Rayola is going to start as a true freshman and all of a sudden Penn State has some skill guys too and their yeah. defense is still solid. You know, again, why wouldn't we get two or three years ahead of ourselves? This is Buckeye talk, but I think like that's what it would look like, right? Yeah. Where you feel like there's a team that feels like it has a clear edge on Ohio State at quarterback. And it starts there, and then there's enough other stuff to lead you to picking somebody other than the Buckeyes. Yeah, specifically in a 2022-22 production or prediction podcast, let's talk about what happens in 2024. But I think you're almost proving my point, though, Doug, because even in that scenario, isn't Ohio State probably still like no worse than like the second best quarterback situation in the big 10 and, and the roster top to bottom will always be, it, it's just, yeah. it, that'll be a test. We'll, we'll, we'll put a pen in that and come back to it in two years and see what we're thinking about it. Right. Thing. Cause I think what we're still going to say is like, well, Drew Aller's pretty good, but Ohio state's better at like 17 of the other 21 positions. Yeah, no, I, I agree. A, a lot of it is, I think what it is, it almost have to be Penn State or Michigan where there's enough of depth of talent at other places too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I actually will say another wrinkle maybe is coming in that the, 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 you well, a, a huge wrinkle, there? a huge, a huge wrinkle is coming in terms of the expansion of the playoff. But even in, there's going to be a, a, an overlap here maybe between when it's a 14 thing still and Ohio state starts playing some other significant non-conference games. Those years they have to play Alabama, those years they have to play Texas or Georgia. Some of those are farther down the line. We'll probably have an expanded playoff by then, almost surely. But I could see that being a scenario, too. You're in a four-team thing. If they had one non-conference game that you think there's just no way they can really win, or it's very unlikely they win, and it takes all of the margin for error out of it. And the other thing, I thought you were going to say this. Talk about 2024. Like, if Caleb Williams is back for year four at USC, USC could be the Big Ten favorite in 2024. Yeah. Maybe, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so- or Malachi Nelson's just a yeah. starting quarterback and he's I mean, a like five star recruit. USC is going to change the equation, although, yeah. although, which is which is like what Gene Smith said, like another pair of shoulders. And by the way, I think there's still a decent chance Notre Dame's in the Big Ten by 2024. So mm-hmm. like, oh, well, got a five star quarterback on the way in the CJ Carr. So yeah, it's it's, it's like it's will Ohio change. State win the Big Ten forever? Who's in the Big Ten affects the answer to that question. True, but also it, it, I don't think it's more likely that Caleb Williams is around for fourth year than Kyle McCord is around for fourth year. So you can play that same scenario with him too. Anyway, we've gotten way oh, for sure, for sure. into yeah. the distance already. Let's just go back to 2022 and, and predicting what's right in front of us. And let's just start with Ohio State. We're not going to get into the full seating yet. I want to specifically talk about what we're thinking about the Buckeyes. And a year after they don't make the playoff, they've made it two years in a row. Looked like they had something rolling, and then last year losing to Oregon, and then especially losing to Michigan the last game of the year, when they were certainly going to be in before that game, you know, knocks them out and they missed the playoff. Do you guys both have Ohio State making the playoff in 2022? I do. I do. Mark it down. As, as do I. So three market downs for Ohio State making the playoff. Stephen, where do you have the Buckeyes seated? I have them seated second. I just. I don't know how the Big Ten gets the number one seed. So I just put them second. Well, Notre Dame's good. Michigan's good. Like what you're saying is like, say, if the records are the same, how would Ohio State have a higher seed than somebody from the SEC? Yes. I mean, it 
what if Notre Dame and Michigan are both 11 and one and their only losses through Ohio state? Like that's, I don't think that's going to happen, but the schedule I think is tough enough. I think people are going to respect this schedule in the end. And I think Wisconsin might be a pretty decent big 10 West team that might make the big 10 championship game look like a pretty good win, especially if you're, if you're thinking it's a second win against Wisconsin. So I also have them as the number two seed, but if you're trying to conjure the path to the number one seed for Ohio State, I think this schedule at least makes it possible. Now, if they're the only undefeated team, then yeah, of course. Then yeah. But it, like, could they win a head-to-head battle with the same record? I think the schedule maybe makes it possible when normally it would be impossible. Yeah, I think that this schedule is a, an asset for Ohio State as long as it doesn't have the wrong screw-up. Last year's schedule was not the problem for Ohio State. You know, losing to Oregon didn't keep them out of the playoff, really, I, I would say. Because if they beat Michigan, they still get in. Now, you would also maybe say if they were 11-0 and lost to Michigan, do they get in? I don't know. Because they probably get in over an undefeated Cincinnati, but it yeah, would have come with some a- outrage from a certain from a certain segment. So, um, but I maybe, but really it's if, if they had just taken care of business at Michigan, the thing that was still right in front of them, they would have got in. It's the years where, and the years where they didn't get in the playoff, such as the Purdue loss, the Iowa loss, the schedule didn't cost them then either. Just those weren't the games that they were potentially going to lose that would you cost them. Maybe it was, it was the fluke thing. So I think if they avoid the fluke thing, this schedule is probably their friend. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough, but they are probably double digit favorites against everybody they play. They're not playing Clemson in the regular season. They're not playing Georgia in the regular season. You know, like right. they're, they still have a, what I think everybody would acknowledge is a somewhat significant talent edge against everybody on the schedule. That includes Notre Dame and Michigan and Penn State. Steven, I can't remember. You predicted Ohio State also undefeated regular season, yes. I assume. Yes. And then winning the Big Ten Championship. So it would be a 13 and 0, number two seed. Uh, I also had Ohio State as a 13 and 0, number two seed. I think the, Floor is pretty high again this year. And this is, I mean, anything that we're saying right now along these lines is a strong vote of confidence for this defense more than anything else. A strong vote of confidence that we believe that Jim Knowles is going to come in and make the schematic changes necessary to elevate the talent, which is kind of elevating on its own by just getting older and developing for another year. It's a lot of guys who who got some experience or a lot of experience in some cases last year and can be better this year. I think this defense will be good enough to prevent the kind of losses that cost them last year, even though there were definitely some things that happened on offense in both those games, especially the Michigan game that, that cost Ohio state. It was ultimately a just failures on defense that held that team back. I think you take that potential for failure away and as Doug is saying, that's why they're going to be favored by double digits in every game this year. Do you, did you see it the same way, Steven, or I guess maybe you should, you can speak to Doug, but like that predicting Ohio state to be a playoff team again this year, and especially to be a 13 and O team going to the playoff is ultimately a big vote of confidence for the defense. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's not an offensive question. I expect this offense to be 40 plus points. 450 yard, whatever type of yard. It is what it is at this point. Everything it's more it was about- last year. Yeah, and we'll continue to be. This is more about the defense and when you're talking about being undefeated, 13-0, and 0, number two seed and all that stuff. But I also agree with your guys' sentiments with the schedule of it's a tough schedule on paper, but it's also, like, reasonable. 
in a sense of they can win all these games and on paper it's going to look really, really impressive. We can tell the listeners that we are recording this back to back with the podcast that you guys listen to on Friday. This is true. We were recording them 15 minutes apart. So we just finished talking about how we, my numbers and Nathan and Steven didn't vigorously disagree, gave them a 28% chance of going 12 and 0. And we are currently sitting at three 13 and 0 predictions for Ohio State. Should, well, yeah, so, should, well, so wait, should two of us say they're going to lose a game just so it matches with the Friday pod? <laughs> yeah. Well, but again, to, to give people context, in case you missed the Friday pod, unless, unless maybe you were alien abducted, which please text us about that. 614-350-3315. We'd love to hear that story. No, 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 no. Text us about that. Email us, find our addresses. You need to talk to a lot more people than just us. But well, I'm trying to sell the text, Stephen. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a full fan experience. Yeah. Sorry um, about the alien abduction thing. Hope you didn't get probed too much. Please buy the texts. Well, it, it, you get the two-week free trial. Fire us yeah. off. Fire us off the, the, the probe text and then, and then hit stop. Yes, twenty eight percent. But as as we discussed on the on that pod, no worse than a seventy five percent chance to win each individual game. So, right, make sure that context is also in there. But okay, so you're also predicting thirteen and zero. And which seed do you have Ohio State at? Also two seed. This is ridiculously boring. I, I'm not sure everybody in the country <laughs> wouldn't predict this though, right? So, yeah, I mean, this um, is the consensus right now that Ohio State is they were number two in the in the AP poll by a pretty comfortable margin but like slotted in in a pretty obvious way same thing in the coaches poll you look at all the like different metrics out there a lot of reasons why ohio state is number two right now and i do when you think about again on that pod we talked about the the type of loss right and the ones that are fresh in your mind like the 17 and 18 losses 17 to iowa 18 to purdue 17 jt barrett has a terrible game throws four picks Right. It's like, well, I can't really see that happening to this Ohio State offense. Right. I don't I don't know what that would look like. And the 2018 loss can't tackle Rondale Moore. Defense gets exposed. It was exposed all year. I don't know. I would I would imagine that by, you know, the third quarter of somebody running over Ohio State, the way Rondale Moore was running free, that like Jim Knowles would try to solve that a little bit. So I don't exactly right on either side of the ball. I don't think I'm not sure I can envision sort of those worst case scenarios. I will say though, you know, the good team thing, like Ohio state has some flaws, plus it's a good team. The talent on defense is definitely better than a year ago. I don't think it's back quite to the standard of Ohio state. I don't. So I, I think there are reasonable questions about how talented their linebackers still are. I think there's a, I don't know how good Tanner McAllister is exactly. Um, defensive tackles seem possibly very interesting, but the most interesting guys are young. We think the edge guys will be good. The corners seem good enough, but we're not sure that anybody's Marshawn Lattimore or Denzel Ward yet. So I do think it's possible that the scheme, we think the scheme's going to be much better. I This is not yet back to, you know, four first round draft picks necessarily on the defense yet. So I, I, I'm, I would hold back a little, I don't think it's enough to cost them a game in their first 13, but I don't what know. Are, what are your thoughts on? Cause I agree with you. Cause like a lot of the guys were hyped about are not the third year, you know, right. peak guys, but 
we've seen an Ohio State team have those guys peak a year early and then just like stay at that level. So like what where you, where's your guys' heads on 2014 kind of happening again for this 2021 class where those second year guys, not all of them, but enough of them in some key spots, maybe pop now instead of us going wait till they, what they are next year. It, it's guess. kind of exactly what I envision, like maybe a top 25 ish defense. And that's good enough with this paired with this offense mm. to make them an undefeated playoff team. I would say I very much thought it possible that in 2018, you would see that scenario that those defensive happen. guys as second year guys, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda would pop in year two when they didn't really pop till year three. So there are reasons for that. We get that. We understand that. But I was really far down that road. Like as much as you're making that comparison, I was yeah. bathing in that comparison uh, in 2018. And then it was like, oh, no, the defense is terrible. So um, <laughs> I don't think the defense is going to be terrible. But is it possible that Teron Vincent, Teron Cage, Tyreek Williams, Mike Hall, Ty Hamilton. All right. Do I think those defensive tackles might be pretty good? Yeah. But those guys plus Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg and Cody Simon, is it possible that Braylon Allen runs all over them in week four? I think Very it's possible. possible. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I but, can see that. I know what that would look like. Now, does that mean they lose? I mean, C.J. Stroud might have something to say about that. But I could see them having trouble stopping the run because I'm still not so sure how strong they are up the middle. Yeah, and it, it is the other thing important to remember about that that lost Oregon last year. You were still using a compromised C.J. Stroud there. It was a few more weeks before he was kind of back to health. But the other thing I want to bring up about 2018, I think that's a good example because, correct me if I'm wrong, I was still um, goofing around in Indiana at the time. You were here doing it on a week-to-week basis, Doug, not goofing around, covering the team, maybe both. The, but that 2018 was also a big schematic failure also. Yeah, no, for sure. It wasn't just a it was just a talent failure, and I think that's kind of yes. gets back to what I'm saying. Like when you're picking Ohio State to go 13 and 0, I think you're voting as much for Jim Knowles as you are for Tommy Eichenberg and Cody Simon and the defensive tackles. Hundred percent. What if the edge rushers are still just good, not great? I think that's like a huge that would change the yes. equation really fast. I think we're all assuming that those top three edge rushers will be closer to great than good, but it's a fourth year senior who's been solid and two second year guys who have not played a ton. So, you know, and then, and then it's just one of these things again, and there's no sense making your prediction based on somebody might get hurt, but you know, Nick, Nick Bosa got abducted by aliens and, the middle of the third game of the year and it completely changed 2018. I mean, get, get somebody important in the edge group abducted by aliens in week three. And let's have a conversation about how likely 13 and 0 is. So I just want to make sure as much as I just don't want us to go too far. They had real problems on defense last year. Most of the players that they're playing this year were part of that defense last year. So, you know, like the scheme we are assuming is fixed, but they still need a decent chunk of those players to play at a higher level than they did last year. And it's one of those things, again, this is no offense to anybody, but when you're having a conversation about like the Ohio state defense and it's like, Oh, like who's their best defensive player. It's like, Oh, if I had to rank the best defensive player right now, you know, might be like Denzel Burke or Ronnie Hickman. 
let's have conversations of the last 10 years, the last 15 years. Right. I'm like, oh, who's their best no. defensive player? And like Ronnie Hickman would be like their fifth best defensive player coming into a year because their best defensive player is Joey Bosa. Yeah. The best defensive player is Malik. You know, like, so I'm just, you know, I just, I don't want to assume a hundred percent that the defense is absolutely good to go. But as you said, Nathan, that's not the conversation we've been having. We've been having court Williams, the, the conversation as we've gone from, is it a top 25? Is it top 20? Ryan Day says top 10. Jim Knoll says top five. Court Williams the other day said top three. So like we can we continue to march oh forward. Gosh. So um, was like, but, no, we want to be number one. So like we've reached it. But that's the thing. Like it doesn't this team doesn't need this offense doesn't need a top 10, five, three defense. It just needs a defense that, that gets out of the way, that gets yes. them the ball back and doesn't dig them holes. I think if you can avoid both of those things, and I think that just schematic changes and natural improvement on defense can get them into that range. Which is, and then it's not odd. It's absolutely connected. It's possible that the three best defenses in the country are the three other best programs in the country. Right. So when you start having head-to-head comparisons at the highest level of college football, that's where you start saying like, oh, well, they're going to be better, but they're not that yet. And yeah. that is going to matter at some point. Yeah, I'm a little worried now that you said that, that we're all going to have the exact same predictions for the, the four playoff teams. Four is going to be interesting. Three and four are going to be interesting, but yeah. Four is interesting. And why don't we take a quick break right here? And we're going to come back and give you the rest of our playoff teams on Buckeye Talk. 614 is the text number. It's a great time to get the text if you have not signed up before because it's a two-week free trial that takes you right through this week, takes you into the second week of the season. Everything that we're hearing at press conferences, everything we're hearing behind the scenes, uh, everything we're seeing with our eyes at the game, giving you an analysis on that, 614-350-3315. I did ask our tech subscribers, one of the things you get to do is participate in polls. I asked on a scale of one to five, one being the lowest, five being the highest, what is your confidence that Ohio State makes the playoff this season? On a scale of one to five, what is your confidence? One to five, yes. I did one to five because the poll default, like it has a a thing where you can do a rating one to five. Yeah. Or you can change it to one to ten, though, with one click. Can you? I did not notice that. Well, I'm not a... But I will say, I mean, but it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters because... I mean, I think I think if it was one to ten, it would be like nine point five. And I think yeah. I think it if it's one to five, I think it's like four four point eight five or something. I'd yeah. say four point eight five. What's your guess, Steven? Four point eight. So it's actually four point four eight, and I think that was interesting. I I would have might I might have assumed it would have been higher, like you guys did. I wanted people to kind of one thing I liked about one through five was if you thought it was like an eight, now you have to make a choice. Are you going to five or are you going to four? And a lot of people picked four. There was, uh, so the average score was 4.48. Um, 53%, 53.4%, I'm sorry, 53.6% of our respondents picked a five. But 42% almost picked a four. Really? So a little bit of doubt in there. And I, Um, I, for the same reasons that we were just talking about in the first segment, I think you've heard a lot of good things about this defense, but at the same time, it is kind of like, all right, I got to see it. 
we've had three bad defenses in the past four years. We need to see it at this point. It doesn't matter how many times we talk to a player and they go, oh, they're doing this and they're doing that. It looks so amazing. Like I think our Texas, I just think this fan base in general is just kind of ready to see it. It's fair. And I also think the schedule plays into it a little bit. It's a fairly decent schedule. But it's but also if you vote if you vote a four here, Doug, I suppose there's a universe where it's the same thing as you putting as low as 75 percent probability on every game that you pick this year. Right. Yeah. No, I think. No, that makes sense that like, well. I think they're going to win every game, but you never know. And they're playing some good teams. I'll go for, which is is like, oh, I think. They're substantially better than both Michigan and Notre Dame, but I don't know. Give them a one in four chance of, of losing that game because those are two of the best 10 teams in the country. I don't know that anybody's arguing that Notre Dame and Michigan aren't two of the best 10 teams in the country in terms of right. across the board talent mm-hmm. and coaching and everything else that matters on a field on Saturday. So um, yeah, I could, I could see that. I just thought, I think just viscerally, if I think if we walked up to, a hundred Ohio state fans is this play. Will they make the playoff or not? I think you'd get higher than 52%, you know? So, but I guess again, a four is not, will they make it or not? Cause that's still, if your answer was yes or no, if you voted for that's a yes. So that's still a lot of people. I mean, there's probably almost nobody who actually would be a no Their Their yes is just not quite a hundred percent. Right. So less than 5% put it at three or fewer. And we only had two votes for a two and two votes for a one. And I had on multiple occasions explicitly said one lowest, five highest. So those people, I guess, do have real doubt, hopefully, that um, and didn't just misread it, that Ohio State will make the playoff this season. All right. So let's give the rest of our top four. Doug, who is your number four seed making the playoff? Okay, so I need to have a conversation with the audience and you guys here for a second, because I had a plan. And then at the break, I reconsidered my plan. I have a national college football show that is entirely dedicated year round to talking about the college football playoff. And on our show that will come out on Wednesday, my co-host Shahan J. Haraja and I are going to do this exact same thing. I would like more people to listen to that show. It's, It's doing fine but I would like more people to listen to it. And I would like people all over the country to listen to it. But obviously some chunk of those people are Buckeye talk listeners who then want to hear about national college football. So I initially thought I'll talk about Ohio state on this podcast. Cause that's what this podcast is usually about. We don't have a lot of times where we're conflicting with topics on the national show and Buckeye talk, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to save like my national discussion for that show. And I'm going to pass on the national discussion and listen to you guys and talk about what you think, but not reveal my picks. And then I thought the only reason we even tried that show is because of the people who listen to this show. So am I going to deprive the most loyal of the loyal who have had little Dougie's back from the jump because I'm trying to get 10 more listeners on the new show. So I'm going to reveal it because I owe this audience that, but I'm going to do it with this. If you have not tried the College Football Survivor Show and you like Buckeye Talk, try us. Just try us for one week. You don't maybe have to listen to the show this week, which is Shahan's really smart about National College Football, so his opinions are are worth listening to. And he and I will have a different conversation than we'll have here. But I'm going to give it to you. 
But please try the College Football Survivor Show, which is available wherever you listen to Buckeye Talk. You can find it there. Please try that show if you have any possible interest and you've never tried it. And then if you don't like it, that's great. That's fine. I'm not for everybody. Can you? Um, but I'm gonna. Maybe, I'm gonna tell you when you when you post when we post this. Maybe we can put a link to where mm. people find the College Football Survivor Show. Yeah. No, we'll do that. So. I, this was very this I was in my own head for a while about this. So but I'm going to I owe it to this audience. What's the question? Who is the number four team? Oh, sorry. In your playoff. So Shahan and I, like in April, did like, a, hey, if we were picking the playoff now, and I'm pretty sure my fourth team was Baylor back then. I kind of like Baylor. They've gone to a new quarterback in Blake Shapin that they think has some upside. They lost all their skill guys, but Dave Aranda is a defensive coach. They have a good defense. They have a good offensive line. I think Baylor's going to win the Big 12. I'm not huge on Oklahoma this year, so I definitely considered Baylor for this spot. But I'm going to go with Utah in the fourth spot. But it's a little bit of a tough needle to thread. It's USC at Utah in the middle of the year, and then the Pac-12 has gone to no divisions, and so – it's very possible that you get a USC Utah rematch in the Pac-12 championship game, or Oregon might be pretty decent. I know there are some people who are on the Oregon bandwagon. They open with Georgia, but there's a path for Oregon where it's like they lose to Georgia and then they're pretty good in the Pac-12. So it's not a guarantee of a Utah USC rematch. I think it might be a little early on USC. People listening to the show know what's good about Utah. They lost Devin Lloyd, who is maybe like the best defensive player in Utah history. So that's not nothing. But Tavion Thomas, the running back, is back. Two of the three tight ends are back. I really like Cam Rising at quarterback. I think Kyle Whittingham is a really good coach. They're a lot like Wisconsin. They have a defensive identity that I think they're able to maintain year to year. There's a lot of reason to like what they do. And I just think the guys with the ball in their hand, that that Keithy guy is like a pretty good tight end who's going to play in the NFL. Their receivers aren't great, but I think Tavion Thomas is legit. And like a Cam Rising, Graham Mertz comparison – Wisconsin would kill for Graham Mertz to be like Cam Rising, who who changed their season last year when he took over as a starting quarterback after they lost two of their first three games. I think it can be a breakthrough year for them. I I think it could be something like they lose to USC at home and everybody gets hyped about USC, but then USC stumbles and Utah gets it together. I don't know that they'll be undefeated, but I'm going to pick them to win the Pac-12 and I'll pick them to get in the playoff as the four seed in what could be, as Steven was saying, a muddled race for the four spot. But I'll go with Utah. I thought I thought they showed a lot of gumption against Ohio State. I don't think they'll back down. And I think Rising is a good enough quarterback to kind of lead the way for them. One vote for gumption. Steven, did you consider Utah at all? Doug. I don't know if like we shared screens or anything like that, but Utah is my fourth team as well. Oh, and it's because I think Cameron rising is really good. I don't think, I think some of what he was able to do it against Ohio state was just as much about him and Utah's scheme as it was about Ohio state's defense, just falling apart even more than it already had that season. I'm just not sold on USC quite yet just because they're really good at the skill positions, but in the trenches, it's just a hot mess right now for them. And that's because transfer, new coach, all that kind of happens. And I think Utah gets in with the fourth seed. And it, for me, it came down to Clemson and Utah. And because I think Clemson has one of the better defenses, especially defensive lines in the country. I just think that you Clemson might 
fumble a couple more times this year and Utah won't. So Utah was one of the three teams that I was considering for the fourth spot. And for me, uh, a lot of respect for them. And in a lot of ways, they seem like the kind of natural team that could, uh, in some ways, not the natural team, because that's just a name that I think the casual college football fan does not expect to be in this kind of conversation. But people who have been watching know what's going on, even if you're not an Ohio State fan and saw them in the Rose Bowl. I think you've seen the, the foundation that's been laid in that program. The tiebreaker that it came down to me that put Utah behind the team that I ultimately picked was just that I think their schedule is enough tougher that I couldn't, I had less faith that they would get through with only maybe one loss. You know, they open at Florida. I know Florida is in a rebuild situation, but that's still talented. Uh, They have to play Oregon. They do have USC on the schedule and USC is as big a wild card right now. I saw people who are voting them like top five in the AP poll. There's people who I think aren't voting for them at all. It's, it's all over the place with what you expect from USC that, that, that Oregon game is also on the road. There's there. And that's still, that still only, we're only talking about three games out of the whole season, but there was enough there compared to the other two teams I was looking at that I left them on the outside, but would not shock me at all. If Utah made the playoff this year. And it'd be about time for the Pac-12 to find some way into yeah. the playoff. Go Utes. Yeah. Kyle Whittingham's a good coach. Kyle Whittingham's mm-hmm. a good coach. I think there's a lot of similarities with, with Wisconsin. But but I think their their quarterback situation is is substantially enough better. So so the other two teams I was considering at number four are like even better versions of what I was talking about with Utah having that sort of like institutional um, high, high floor. And that was Clemson and Oklahoma. And I ended up taking Clemson as my number four team. This is one year after I picked them actually to be the, the one seed. So maybe I'm sort of hedging a little bit and thinking like, if I just keep picking Clemson every year, I'll be right again someday. Uh, but maybe I won't. Maybe the loss of their offensive adhesive coordinators last year to other head coaching jobs will ultimately hold them back. But might be the best defense in the country. I think is indisputably the best defensive front in the country. And when you look at this schedule, they do play at Notre Dame. I think that's a tough game and that may even be a loss for them, but there's not a lot on the rest of this schedule that creates respect NC state, respect NC state. Yeah. I have some respect for NC state, but I don't have the respect for NC state that uh, some other people do. Okay. What, what, so, what's your what, what's your percent chance that Clemson wins against NC State at home? I mean, I lost I, last year in double. I think up. it's I think it's almost a borderline toss up. Devin Leary is really yeah. good. Devin Leary is really good. Um, you've got to have a quarterback who can handle that defense. Um, I, I need to see what Clemson looks like early in the year. If Clemson looks like it's fixed, like oh no, it's a blip. Clemson's fixed. Then uh, then okay. Then I think Clemson is ready to roll if they look like they are continuing having like quarterback problems and they can't move the ball consistently. And then all of a sudden, like all Devin Leary has to do is get to like 27 and that'll be enough. Then I think NC state's in that game for sure. I think it's NC state, NC state, we have 11 Shahan and I have 11 teams that we have in our playoff contender mix. As the season starts, we've been voting teams in or out all year and NC state's one of them. So um, that, that is, if that's the second best team in the ACC, that might be the best second best team in the ACC 
that has existed since like Clemson came on the now Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison for Pitt last year, but like Clemson was out of it so fast. If Clemson's good again, like good Clemson having to deal with another good team, they don't usually have a team like NC State in their path. I want to see DJ first because like they get to that NC State game. I don't even think anybody right now is 100% confident that DJ is a starter by the time they get to that NC State game. And Kay Klubnick, the other the five-star freshman, isn't the starter by that point. But more importantly, I think they lose that Notre Dame game because at Notre Dame, and I think Clemson needs to be undefeated to make the playoff. And I don't think they're going to be undefeated. So well, I, both of those things can't necessarily be true. That like a, if, if NC State's really that good and Clemson then beats NC State, then that helps their playoff chances too, right? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think NC State's for real. I mean, that's like, at the end, the, the ACC is better. The ACC is definitely better. I don't know that Miami is ready to do it. The quarterbacks in the ACC are ridiculous. Like Brennan Armstrong at Virginia and Devin Leary at North Carolina State and Tyler Van Dyke at Miami and um, Keaton Slovis at Pitt. Like if the Big Ten had as many good quarterbacks as, yeah. as the ACC had, we'd be going crazy. So this the deserved reputation of the last decade of the ACC sucking is not as true as it has been. So, um, and I just want to make clear, I was just jumping in on what I felt was like a little bit of a lack of respect for NC state. That was not a Clemson commentary by me. Cause right. I also have Clemson in the playoff. Clemson is my three seed. We'll get to that in a moment, but I think what you said, Steven is correct in most has been correct, but part of my vote here is a vote that the ACC is going to be more respected this year. In fact, I think, you know, when you look at who Clemson might be playing in an ACC championship game, it could be teams like uh, Miami, which could, could be good, you know, Mm -hmm. pretty good first year um, with a new coaching staff there. I think Pitt, even though it lost Pickett and Addison, there's still a nucleus at Pitt that could be a top like 20 ish sort of team. So there's still that they also have that capping the year. Potentially you could have a one loss Clemson team, even if they lose at Notre Dame, which I'm not like assuming they will or to NC state that can then still be 11 and one win an ACC championship game against an opponent that gets them some playoff respect. That was part of my math here too. I thought that to be more the case than, Someone like Oklahoma, which I still think has a good chance to go have like an 11 and one ish season, but uh, I'm not as confident in it. And I don't think their schedule gives them the boost necessarily. I actually think the ACC schedule maybe helps them more than a big 12 schedule helps Oklahoma. I think, did you reference something about like institutional something when you were talking about the teams for the fourth spot? Didn't most of Oklahoma's institutional stuff? Go to US. Move to LA. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like they don't have now, you know, Jeff Levy as a coordinator, I think is a respected guy. They have Dylan Gabriel as a transfer quarterback. And I think Brent Venables would be a good head coach, but like, that's a, that's about as much of a total reset yeah. mm-hmm. as we have seen at a major program, because they're going from a total offensive identity to a total defensive identity. And I think it might take a year to shake out. Yeah. I was, I was making a reference more just that these are two teams that you, they make the playoff a lot. Yeah, Clemson and Oklahoma make play up a lot. They do. So take us down the road to how Clemson became your number three team, Doug. I'm like in on Clemson. I think it's more of a blip. And the difficult thing is the coordinator conversation, which I think is very similar to the conversation around Michigan. And I don't love 
always promoting from within, right? Every, there's two sides to everything. Are you loyal or are you stale, right? But they did promote from within on both. So Wes Goodwin's a new defensive coordinator. He's been at Clemson forever. Brandon Streeter's the new offensive coordinator. He's been the quarterback's coach there for a long time. I remember having an hour-long conversation with Brandon Streeter at the Fiesta Bowl in 2016 about Deshaun Watson. So Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator, who's now the head coach at Virginia, and Brent Venables, now the head coach at Oklahoma, really good. But they kind of have a way of doing stuff. So I don't know that like the, the, it's not like Ohio State where you definitely want to change in the style. You're revamping everything. They're going to kind of do the same thing because they promoted the guys who were there, which, again, Michigan is going to argue we're going to do the same thing. Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss are the offensive coordinators. They were here. Um, no, I can't think of the guy. Jesse, what's his name? I, Jesse Minter, who they got from Vanderbilt. Came in like this is like this from the same structure as Mike McDonald. They think that they're calling out the second year of Mike McDonald. So can you keep the identity while losing the guy? Their defensive line is awesome. Their linebackers are pretty good. I think their secondary is fine. I like some of the running backs. Will Shipley, Kobe Pace. I think they have real dudes there. And as Steven mentioned, I think quarterback will work itself out. Because the issue last year was DJ was the guy and DJ wasn't good and they didn't have anywhere else to go. So I think there's two possibilities here. And I don't know which one it's going to be. I think one is DJ Uyunglele is much better. He said he lost 30 pounds. He got down to business, yeah. right? I think that's very possible. This guy is a – there was something there. The guy threw for 400 yards when he had to take over for COVID Trevor Lawrence in 2020. So I think, like, DJ is better is possible. But I also think if DJ's as bad as he was last year, he won't be the quarterback anymore. And I yeah. think NC State is week five. I do mm-hmm. think they're going to have to make a decision. And, and it's like, well, I, and also, again, I think there's a world where maybe they lose to NC State and still works out and they get in as a one-loss team. But I think they're going to have to make a decision. Everyone makes the Trevor Lawrence, Kelly Bryant comparison. But either of those options, DJ's better or DJ's out, would solve the thing that happened last year, which is like DJ drove that season straight into the ground. So the receivers aren't great. The receivers aren't up to the Clemson standard. But I, the quarterback play was so bad last year. And the defense, I think, potentially is the best in the country. One of the top three at the very least, maybe the best. I just think it's mostly like the Clemson seasons we've been used to since the playoff era started, not the Clemson season of last year. And that is a 13-0 and or 12-1 and Clemson seed, team as a three seed. So my only issue with the – he threw for 400 yards in those two games when he stepped in for Trevor when he had COVID. A lot of that with the Travis Etienne. They just oh, they made like it easy. Lean. They made it easy. They made for it very him. easy for, and I, I, I don't think because we don't cover Clemson, we weren't paying that much attention to it. So we just thought, oh man, this is awesome. To, and there isn't a Travis ATN. Um, maybe Will Shipley's that, but he didn't necessarily like pop that way last year. But he was also a true freshman, so I'll give him some. And a little there. injured, and a little, injured. and they were a little injured. Brandon Streeter has been there forever. And I understand it was COVID, but the one time that we got to see him in a play calling role because Tony Elliott had COVID was the Sugar Bowl, and it did not look pretty. And he had Trevor Lawrence at that point. The, his play calling was not on. And Kate Klubnick is very good. He's not Trevor Lawrence. So even that scenario where, like, the, the, the Kelly Bryant-Trevor Lawrence scenario, that's not the plan here. The plan is for Kate Klubnick to just be the backup this year. And so if he has to take over – then you're well, once again starting from scratch, and it's a true freshman that you're throwing out there who's trying to learn on the fly. I don't know. I mean, they Dabo has talked about how they they make Cade Klubnick the number two from the jump because they didn't want to waste any time and didn't want to waste any snaps. So yeah, no, but they did, they did the gonna, same thing with DJ too when when 
DJ um, was the but, backup to Trevor. That's just kind of how Trevor. that worked there. But they, they're not going to undermine DJ, but I think they're preparing. And, and no, he's not Trevor Lawrence. But also with this defense, as much as they were saying the ACC is better, I don't, I'm also not picking them with a national title. I, I don't know if he has to be Trevor Lawrence. I think we're a little out on Clemson. I mean, like, this is the second best program of this era, like, no doubt about it. We've been talking about, like, can Ohio State reach Clemson's level? And then Clemson had, like, a really goofy year. They had a really goofy year. Brian Brzee got hurt, right? I mean, like, one of their best defensive players. They had a really goofy year, and then they lost their coordinators. But as much as everybody, you know, most of the people listening to this podcast think Dabo Sweeney's a weasel, he's run a pretty successful program. So I I, I – there's a little bit of a fundamental question here of their coordinators have been so important to them. Their loyalty has been so important to them. Are they still Clemson without the coordinators? That's kind of on the table. And we might come back after Clemson goes eight and four and say, well, well, that was wrong. They're done. But that's not what I'm betting on yet. I think this is closer to the Clemson that we know, not to the Clemson of 2021. See, I'm on the other side. Um, They, same coordinators for basically a decade. And they have back-to-back generational quarterbacks. So what happens when maybe you don't have, and you lost all three of those things at the same time, basically. And what might happen is you lean on an extraordinary defense, which they have done at times over the years yes. too. And I do think if they had Ohio state's defense, then I wouldn't, they have something to lean on Fair. and their quarterback, their quarterback play just can't be terrible. So I think you make a very good point. There are a lot of people listening, Stephen, who absolutely agree with you on this, that, that this is maybe a dividing line. And the point about, you know, high-level coordinators and generational quarterbacks, and now you're not there, that is a huge shift. So, I mean, this is this – is, I'm not betting my house on Clemson, but um, I'm fascinated. I'm really interested to see what this looks like, yeah. because I think it absolutely could go either way. It, it's pretty high confidence to say you think they'll be the, the three seed. Steven, who is the three seed in your playoff? I had Georgia. I understand they lost a bunch of guys, but they also still have a bunch of guys and dudes on that defense. Um, they lean heavily on the tight end play. Brock Bowers is probably the best tight end in, in America. Stetson Barnett just needs to do what he did last year basically, and just be a game manager because that defense is so good. And it's literally just going to come down to who my number one team is. They meet, in the, they meet in the SEC championship game, and Georgia loses that game, and now they're the three seed instead of the one seed. So that's actually – I have Georgia three as well. But it was my one point of order against myself, I guess, is do I think if it's – because I think it would if, – if Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia are one, two, three – Go ahead and say Alabama's name because we haven't talked about them yet, and nobody's picked their number one. But if that's your one, two, three in theory, and then Alabama beats Georgia, could Georgia still be the three seed in that scenario? Yeah, because I think they'll want to avoid the one four matchup rematch. So, Mm -hmm. all right. So, assuming that we think that that's plausible, because I I actually went back and forth whether I thought Clemson or Georgia would be the three seed in that scenario, but I also went with Georgia at three. They absolutely lost. A lot. I mean, they, they lost uh, key pieces off of one of the great defenses ever, really. Uh, but they return a couple big ones. You know, it's obviously Jalen Carter. People have heard of Nolan Smith. Um, some guys in the, the, the defensive Ringo. backfield that are strong. Yeah. Um, and it, this offense is better than people give it credit for. Not just friend of the podcast, Stetson Bennett, 
who in, in his own way is, is maybe not all, all that special, but like a stat that jumped out to me, um, they led the SEC in scoring offense last year in conference only games, like almost 38 points a game. Now you're going to say, well, yeah, but they did that against the SEC East schedule. And I'm going to say, that's the same one they're playing this year. <laughs> I think it just, it, it, it unfolds in a way that is favorable for Georgia as long as it doesn't uh, really fall off, I think, defensively. So I don't have Georgia in the playoff, and I'm here to disrespect Stetson Bennett just one more time before. Oh, I don't think it's just on one more life. time. I'll take the over on that bet. <laughs> yeah. So their defense is going to be good, but their defense last year was generational, and it allowed Stetson sure. Bennett. They didn't put him in. They didn't ask him to do too much. Their best receiver transferred to Alabama. Their other best receiver who missed most of last year is tearing up training camp with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They do have Brock Bowers. They have a couple good guys in the backfield, but they lost their top two guys from last year. But Kendall Milton, some other guys there, they should be okay. But I just think in a world where their defense goes from, I can't believe how talented it is to very good. I think they lose a goofy game. So like whatever your percent of like, Oh, Georgia goes 12 and Oh, can I pick out their loss in their easy schedule? No. But I think they're going to have to ask Stetson Bennett to do a little bit more than he did last year because you're not going to have nine pick, nine draft picks on the defense or whatever. And that just something gets in their way. And so they lose a goofy game and then they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship and a two loss team doesn't get in. So I, yeah. I, that's like my formula for why I didn't pick them. I don't think it even has to be that goofy of a game. I mean, again, they open with Oregon, who we've talked about as being a team that you can't like completely forget about. Who's coached by ball. their old defensive coordinator who knows them in and out. <laughs> yeah, who neutral knows side a game, though. Something. Well, yeah, in neutral true. side in Atlanta. Ish, ish. Um, not exactly yeah. neutral. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, right there's some other teams on this schedule. Like you brought up Will Levis in Kentucky. Uh, Steven, when we were talking on the Friday pod, they yeah. play at Kentucky. Uh, near the end of the season, Tennessee people think could be is like a top twenty-five ish. Some people are really in on Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker's yeah, he's pretty decent. So I mean, there's some other they get, gotta play at they, South Carolina with early uh, right South Carolina yeah, early right third game of the year. Yep. That, so that might be it. Like Spencer Rattler reminds everybody that mm-hmm. once upon a time he was really highly thought of, and we get a reminder that Georgia's defense is good, not spectacular. And all of a sudden, like Spencer Rattler plants his flag by beating Georgia in week three before George even knows what happened. Right. I, like that. That's if you're asking me for a loss. But I think the point you're making again, we're talking about quarterbacks. George is really good. Do we think Hendon Hooker, Will Levis or Spencer Rattler? One of those three could jump up and get him in the right week. Right. Yeah. I, that's that's my scenario, whatever that might be. I think that's a, a, a very plausible way to look at it. Um Georgia does, as you said before, I mean, there's people that think Brock Bowers is actually the best tight end in the country. That's like him or, or Michael Mayer, right? Like one of those two mm-hmm. guys is the best in the country. I think he was actually the AP first team All-American tight end. Not that tight ends like make your season, obviously, but that's that's one offensive weapon. Um, they're, they're doing some things with their backfield. They've got a couple options there, and the offensive line is supposed to be really strong. So there's a formula there, too for the way this does still go 12 and 0, especially again, considering the schedule, considering they don't have to play Alabama, frankly, that they, they don't have to beat Alabama twice to get into the playoff. They only really, and in fact, I think 
Stephen and I are both presenting a scenario where they lose the only time they pay Alabama and yep. can still get in. But I would also say if that schedule doesn't quite go as well, if Kentucky's not quite as good as we think they're supposed to be, if the Hendon Hooker thing doesn't happen at Tennessee and you're 12-0 and 0 and then get blown off the field by Alabama, you're not going to the playoff potentially. Then it does open the door for somebody else. I, I wonder how much like lingering they're still the champ and like, yeah, maybe it's it's possible. That might be a tiebreaker for them, but it, it's going to depend on who else is in the mix. Yeah. Like if if it's if it's them and a bunch of one loss teams, I think it's they'll favor Georgia as the reigning champ. Who it could get ugly. like the number one team in the country. And that, maybe that four but, spot, three four spot could get ugly. Yeah, maybe. And we, but go back like Doug again on that Friday pod where you brought up the year that Wisconsin was twelve and zero. Lost, didn't go to the playoff. Iowa twelve and zero loses, doesn't go right. to the playoff. Like there's there there's precedent for that. If, uh, but I think you're right that it could be sort of like a version of Florida State twenty fourteen, yeah. where like they get pushed in because they have a little extra juice yeah. for being the the defending champion. Yep. So we all picked Alabama number one. So we're all Bama one, Ohio State two, right? Yeah, us and everybody else around the world. Well, just, so so why Alabama over Ohio State for you guys? Because they're Alabama. Because I think they're going to go undefeated, and if Alabama's undefeated, they're the one seed. I don't know. Like, I think that's yeah. that's a perfectly reasonable way to put yeah. it. <laughs> this is again to me specifically between those two programs, though. I think Alabama's defense is going to be better than Ohio State's. I think these are both going to be really good offenses because Alabama's offense is always good. Ohio State's offense is always good. But as much as Ohio State is improving on defense, it has a ways to go to get even to that neighborhood Alabama was in last year as far as talent and performance. So I'm still banking on, you know, Will Anderson being a game-changing kind of player and uh, there being other guys on this defense that make a difference. And uh, they're going to get, they're going to have that respect. And especially if they cap it, if, 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 Part of our other prediction plays into this for Steve yeah. and I. If you think Georgia is the number three team yeah. and and is undefeated and then Alabama beats them and is also, I mean, there's no chance. There's no choice. They have to be number one. Right. I think, uh, one, I agree with you. Yes, Ohio State's got a long way to go if they're going to be as good as Alabama's defense. But on paper, just based off recruiting talent, the composite's not out yet, but I think their defense on paper would be on par with Alabama's. In terms of recruiting pedigree this year, but that includes CJ Hicks. That includes no, 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 no. I'm just talking about just like the starters. I'm not talking. I'm just talking about the two deep because you've got Bama's got Dallas Turner and Will Anderson, five star recruits. Ohio State's got three five star edge rushers. They've got two top 100 corners and another guy who was like a top 200 corner. Uh, Josh Proctor is a top 100 recruit. Ronnie Hickman, borderline top 100 recruit. So I'm just saying the pedigree is similar. But then, well, obviously, yes, you got to get on the field at some point in Alabama. Those guys have lived up to those rankings. And this also this also borders on the conversation I've always wanted to find us for us a way to have without insulting players. But it's like if you were to restar everybody, like would would Zach Harris yeah. be one of the top 125 players right. in college football right now? The uh, the Henry To'o To'o transfer wound up being pretty big mm-hmm. yeah. because when he left Tennessee, there there was a time that I think people thought he was coming to Ohio State and he goes to Alabama instead. He stays there to, for another year this year. And I can remember at the time thinking like, Ohio State has a million linebackers. They're okay without Henry To'o To'o. And it's like, oh, no, he would be their best linebacker like without a thought right now. And instead, he's like in the middle of the Alabama defense. So... Um, 
Alabama's five-star linebacker transfer hit, Ohio State's didn't because yeah, it was a that it was never. Good. I mean, if you were ever banking on that, I know you were. Anybody was you were chasing something that wasn't there. Toto to- is a real deal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I think we can probably yeah. So those are our seeds, and now we have to do more. Nathan, you want us to do more, right? These are our seeds, yes. So recapping that, Doug has Alabama 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, Utah 4. Steven and I have the same 1, 2, 3. I have Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, as does he. And then he has Utah at 4. I have Clemson at 4. So really, we don't have a lot of separate. We picked, what, five teams for the four playoff spots between the three of us, which is, I thought the number four might get a little looser than that. But it kind of reflects, I think, where people see college football right now. I think they there's a pretty strong consensus around the three. Doug, you disagree with the consensus as far as Georgia. But Clemson and Utah are in that next tier right after that that people think are sort of locked in for pretty strong years. And then you would put in maybe A&M, Notre Dame, some other teams. But those those Clemson and Utah are, are like right there next in the next group. And there's again, there are people out there picking two big team, big ten teams in the playoff. To do that, it's got to get pretty goofy in the ACC, the Big Twelve, and the Pac twelve, because especially if you're like your playoff is two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams, you're saying that like the ACC, the Big Twelve, and the Pac twelve don't produce a one loss team, and so one loss non champs in the SEC and the Big Ten become playoff teams. I, I mean, that's the path, right? Hey, well, Clemson beats NC State, but NC State beats this team, and then Miami upsets, right? And, oh, you know, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and Baylor all kind of beat each other up, and Oregon and Utah and USC do the same, and they kind of just don't produce anybody. And then you have these second-tier teams. I don't think it'll be quite that goofy. I think I think between – I think Utah, Clemson, and I, I think Baylor has a chance to be in that mix too. I think they'll have – those conferences will produce – enough of a viable playoff team that it won't lead to two big 10 teams. Coming back from this break, we're going to tell you how we think the semifinals and the national championship play out here on Buckeye talk. Doug, who do you have winning your semifinals? Ohio state over Clemson, Bama over Utah. Wouldn't it be fun to see Ohio state Clemson, another semifinal. That'd be fun. And in, in Glendale. In Glendale, I'm here for it. Let's do it. Would it be in Glendale, you think? Oh, yeah. Bama's going to Atlanta for sure. If it was Atlanta against, if it was Alabama against Utah, for sure they would. I think they probably would, maybe regardless. Yeah. Steven, you have uh, Alabama against Utah and then Ohio State against Georgia. Who do you have winning those games? Bama and Ohio State win them. I think Bama might. I think that that one four game might get back to what we're used to seeing, where it's a bit of a you see the stark stark difference in talent. Yeah, I do sort of wonder like how close the Rose Bowl would have been last year. I know that Utah was missing some dudes, but if you put Ohio State's opt outs in that game, it's probably not quite as dramatic, I would guess. Although they obviously got some pretty good production from some of the guys who subbed in after them, but but, but so maybe not. But um, but who knows? Uh, I have Alabama over Clemson and then I have Ohio state over Georgia in the other semifinal. So we get that matchup that we desperately wanted to see one year too late. The Ohio yeah. state Georgia matchup. 
the Ohio State Georgia yeah. matchup that was supposed to be last year the best offense against the best defense, and uh, Ohio State came up, you know, one game short of being able to play that. Well, two, they'd have had to win the Big Ten championship too, but they would have. So, uh, one game away from that, and then this year it's kind of the consolation prize that you go and 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 see that um, and, and finally get to see it. But it it uh, it'll be the consolation prize will be that Ohio state's still going to the national championship game. So that all sets us up for Alabama against Ohio state for the national championship, which I mean, I I'm going to be, we'll have to do a survey. We'll do a post next week because everybody nationally puts out their picks. What do we think? 80% of people are going to pick an Ohio state, Alabama national championship game. What do we think the number's going to be like, who who's not going to pick Ohio state, Alabama national championship game. This is very similar to 2020 when it was like, is everybody just going to pick Ohio State and Clemson to play in the national championship game? Except now. Well, but well, but but when it's Bama, but lingering, we had a lot of angry Bama discussions. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When Bama is the team that you're assuming is not going to be there, then you can't assume when Bama's in. It's like, all right, well, Bama's in. Well, who else is in? I don't know. The team with like the the best offense that has a two million dollar year defensive coordinator. Those two teams. And so it's not as disrespectful to be like, oh, don't overlook Clemson. It's like, well, I think Clemson's mm-hmm. going to be very good. I just don't think they're as good as Alabama and Ohio State. So, um, you know, but I have like some version of like, like, because here, Georgia's national champion, everybody else has can be kind of angry. Like Bama can be angry in its own way, even though Nick Saban said last year was a rebuilding year and they, they made the national championship game anyway. Clemson's angry. Clemson's trying to get its reputation back. Ohio State's angry. Everybody's angry, except Georgia. But you, I don't Utah, think Georgia's Utah's make probably it. not that angry. I don't. Utah seems like a very. very nice. I think they, they were very happy to be in the Rose Bowl last year. The well mannered, well mannered gents out there in the in the mines and the the mountains, the Mormons. Stephen, who are you picking between Alabama and Ohio State? I picked Ohio State, and it's because. I had a Paris Johnson, Will Anderson discussion in my mind. And I'm not saying he's going to completely make Will Anderson a non-factor, but I think he'll keep Will Anderson from making those plays in key moments where you would expect an high and edge rusher to come up with a sack or a TFL. And Paris does his job in that five-star tackle versus five-star edge rusher from the same recruiting class battle. Doug, who are you taking, Ohio State or Alabama? So I do think it's possible that if, if this unfolds this way, when we move further into the playoff era and we're talking about those very specific national championship games where there's no doubt, you know, it was the two best teams. They earned their way there. I think the loser of this game could, well, maybe end up, if you did it, hey, the first 25 years of the playoff, who is the best loser in the national championship game? I think maybe the team this year could have a pretty mm-hmm. good case because these are two pretty talented teams. But I'm going to take Alabama. Nick Saban is 70. He just signed a gigantic new contract extension that's going to take him through age 78. I think he has an offensive player and a defensive player. I don't know if they're the best. I think they're as good as any players he's ever coached on either side of the ball. And that is a pretty great place to start. They're mad. This is like more of a target. You know, they, they underachieved in their own way, not underachieved, but they didn't meet the typical Bama standard a year ago. I think Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, there's a lot to like about both of them. Calm, under pressure, move around in the pocket. 
Um, I, I think that's almost like a toss-up. Now, Ohio State skill guys, right? You take Ohio State every time. I'll tell you what, man. Like Saban warns people about this stuff, and they think he's complaining. If the transfer portal didn't exist, I'd pick Ohio State because Bama has whiffed on skill dudes. But they mm-hmm. got Jermaine Burton from Georgia. They got Ty Harrell from Louisville as two of their three best receivers. And they got Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech to be their best running back. Ohio State's not doing that. Ohio State has Tanner McAllister. Plus, Bama has Henry Toto on the defensive side of the ball. Like, four of Bama's, like, ten most important players are portal guys. Fully formed portal guys that they just stole from other solid but not great programs. What if Ohio State was doing that plus Eli Ricks five? Who he's been like hurt off all camp though. But he's he'll play by the he's national fun. championship game. Yeah, Let's talk, I'll talk about January. So I mean, like, think about what Saban is doing. He already recruits the best, and now he portals the best. So take <laughs> the portal away, and I'm picking Ohio State. But it's like Ryan Day says, we don't want to live in the portal. Like we want to do this, and I agree with that. Saban doesn't. Saban's like, hey, everybody else in college football, send me your best players. They'll start for us. So Ohio State skill guys are better. I'll take Travion Henderson and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison Jr. over Jameer Gibbs and Ty Harrell and Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks, who's probably their best returning receiver. I'll take the Ohio State guys. But I think the quarterback's a wash, and I think the defensive matchup is somewhat decidedly for Alabama. Um, and so, and then I, like it's Saban. It's just one of those, we're just going to look back on this era and think about all the people who were roadblocked by Nick Saban. And it might be Ryan day. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they'll bust through. Maybe they won't, but it's like, how can you like, how can, how can it be like, Oh, picking Alabama to win the national championship. That's ridiculous. You know, like nobody thinks that can Ohio state beat them. Absolutely. Ohio State can beat them. Absolutely no doubt about it. But the last time Ohio State beat Alabama in the playoff, the quarterback was a linebacker. It was Blake, <laughs> it was Blake Sims, right? Yeah. Bryce Young is not Blake Sims. That's and the play. last time they played Alabama in the playoff, they had no chance of stopping that offense. They had so, a linebacker covering well, the Heisman. <laughs> but they had so their like, own offensive problems that day, too. Yeah, and they they were they were really slammed by COVID that day in in really obvious ways too. Here's good. So so in the end, it is like no disrespect to what I think Ohio State's going to be this year. I'm just taking Saban, Young, and Anderson, and my gosh, we might look that might be as good of a trio coach offense defense as we've seen. I don't know ever. Right, yeah. take Woody. Rex Kern and Jack Tatum or whatever, right? Let's play that game. But man, that's a that's a pretty good starting point. So I'll lean Bama. I, I think those are good points. And I see it in a very similar way. And I have still supreme confidence in what Ohio State is building to in 2023. It's chances of being a better, a more complete team, a more complete national championship contender in 2023. That is still, I think, on the horizon. And then the counter argument would be then, well, if you think that, then aren't they going to pretty much be that by January plus 
with CJ Stroud as a second year starter at that point, a guy who's just a couple months away from an NFL draft. And you're right that that would be a very good point to make. And it's the one I've been making in my head as I was trying to decide who I was going to pick. But at the end of the day, I just think that Alabama is closer. Alabama is closer to being that kind of complete team. I have less still lingering questions about whether there might be a deficiency at Alabama that pulls the whole rug out this year as I am about Ohio state. And I'm obviously pretty confident in Ohio state picking them to go 13 and zero and be the number two seed in the playoff and make the national championship game. But you do still have to, I think it's perfectly fine to hold back some skepticism about the defense being better than just good. I think Doug, they, they have to make a jump to get to good this year. Doug, since you've di- dived nose deep into the national world now, Alabama's offensive line was an issue last year. Does it mm-hmm. seem like that's – that, and they lost some guys. I don't even know if, if J.C. Latham is still playing tackle for them or not. Um, does that seem like it's still an issue? Uh, I mean, their right tackle last year was like one of the worst offensive linemen in college football. And then their left tackle was a first round pick. Who's not there. anymore. So um, I don't think it's as good of an offensive line as Ohio state's probably right with Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson. So I think that's, I think that's a reasonable point. And I, and again, like what you saw as good as Bryce Young was once Jamison Williams and then John Mechie were hurt last year, Mm -hmm. that offense was not all that functional. Right. And so they don't have John Mechie and they don't have Jamison Williams now. They're going to have Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks and Ty Harrell. But again, that's not Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka. It's not. Right. So, um, and I don't think that their offensive line is like five-star left tackle, ready to roll Paris Johnson and monster diamond in the rough Dewan Jones. So I think it's, I think it's a reasonable point. I do think, and I do think like as many questions, we have legitimate questions about the Ohio state defense. We think they're fixed. Yes. I think you can have legitimate questions about the Alabama offense, right? I think you can. Mm-hmm. Which brings, no, I think, definitely. I'm just, like, yeah, the reason I brought it up is because it kind of brings us back to the initial point of how, how much faith do you have in Ohio State's defense? Because Will Anderson and Dallas Turner are going to be what they are. But if Jack or JT are that too, and Bryce Young's running for his life all day, it doesn't matter how much, how good he is. And because his receivers aren't that good and he's running for his life all the time. Meanwhile, CJ, there might be some times where he, where he has to buy some time and run away from those guys, but he's a little bit more comfortable in his pocket. I, I think Bryce is very young in the pocket. I think Bryce is, is a little – like, Bryce doesn't run, right? No, I mean, no, no. They, neither, they're the same, yeah, they're the but, same concept of quarterback. I, I just When I say run for his life, I just mean, like, he's constantly on, under duress and constantly under pressure in a way that maybe yeah. CJ might not be. No, I agree. Harrison DeWan hold up. I think, that, I think that's a, val- a very valid point, that CJ in that game – might have more time to throw. I think that's very true. Um, but it, I also it, think if, if you're going to have any quarterback who doesn't have time to throw, I think Bryce is, Bryce is pretty yeah. slippery and, be, and able yeah. to move yeah. around and find, I agree. find a way to get the ball off. What's well, also, would you rather have like an A offensive line facing Will Anderson or a B offensive line facing Ohio State's edge rushers? And some of that is projecting what you think these guys are actually going to be this year, but that's also, you know, yes, Ohio State might have the better offensive line. They also have the the, the tougher challenge that day going up against yeah. Will Anderson. And it's one of those things, again, like, so Will Anderson, right, after his freshman year, people knew he was good, and then he made a jump last year where people were like, man, that guy's just a Heisman candidate. As mm-hmm. And now he's back in year three as he's as good as we've seen. Well, 
I mean, to your point, Stephen, what if JT Tumaloa makes the Will Anderson leap in year two? And by the end of the season, people are like, I don't know. I might pick yeah. JT Tumaloa to go to New York. And then it's like, okay, now the gap has been closed. Because mm-hmm. I think the, the strength of Bama's defense, to, you, to your point, with Anderson and Turner, and I think Chris Braswell is the other guy who's had like a really good camp. Yeah. They have three kind of edge guys that they really like. Well, Ohio State has three edge guys they really like. So what if that's close? Well, if that's close, I'll take the Ohio State skill guys. I'll take the Ohio State offensive line quarterbacks a coin flip and let's roll mm-hmm. and if that's what happens okay now it's also one of the things what if jermaine burton is yeah it goes both jackson ways. smith and jigba you know what if yeah. Corey brooks is is garrett wilson well then okay then like we can play that game because right. but it's all possible because the two teams recruit at this level they have a bunch of five stars just waiting for a chance mm-hmm. and so there are guys who we think might pop who are going to pop to a greater degree than we think that might close the gaps where we think teams have edges right now. I asked our tech subscribers on a scale of one to five, one being the lowest five being the highest. What is your confidence that Ohio state wins the national championship this season? What do you think the average score was on a scale of one to five, Doug and Steven? 3.2. 3.6. Doug, done this before 3.23 was the average score 48.8 percent of our texters voted a three on a scale of one to five uh more votes for four than two though uh more than double about 30 percent voting for four 13 percent voting for two only five percent voting a five so only five out of five confidence for a, a handful of people um 13 voted a one but so about two two and a half percent and I asked uh, a question that then actually our, our, some of our texters said was a little bit of a flawed question because I left off what they thought was important. We could talk about that. But if Ohio State does not make the playoff, what do you think will be the most likely reason? I said um, the offense is not as good as expected after the departures of Olave Wilson, Ruckert, Munford, and Petit Frere. The defense doesn't improve enough to prevent at least one loss like the Oregon-Michigan game from happening. Or the schedule is tougher, leaving no margin for error. So those are the three options. Which one do you think they picked? I would say defense overwhelmingly. Yeah, defense overwhelmingly. I think like seventy-five percent defense. Yeah, almost. It was sixty-nine percent defense and only twenty-three nice. percent for the runner-up question, which was runner-up answer, which was the schedule being tougher, leaving no margin for error, and only eight percent for the offense being yeah. an issue. And the thing that they that some texters said, "Hey, you should have put a separate thing for injuries." which I suppose is true, but we've had these discussions before. Like, am I, do I do one more like, well, CJ Stroud gets hurt or is it because Paris Johnson gets hurt? Like it's, I don't know when you start going down the line too much, they've already had some injuries. Every team is going to have some injuries. Ohio State's going to have more injuries this year. They always do. So I didn't know how much to break that off into one thing. I think it could be a thing where like on defense, part of the reason you would answer defense is, you don't like the depth enough and they can't take any injuries there. Whereas they kind of can on offense, probably except for Stroud and Smith and Jigba, I suppose. And the tackles and the tackles and, Jeremy. and the running and, <laughs> and, Kate, and Kate silver <laughs> and, <laughs> and the guards and Donovan Jackson. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it's one of those things. Cause like, if you're talking, like when you're talking about, like when you're talking about like, Hey, can they go 12 and 0? It's like, well, you sort of have to factor injuries into that right sure. because but when you're talking about like can they win the national title it's like well injuries well that's true for everybody bryce yeah. young might get abducted by aliens right, right? 
Brian Brzee might get abducted by aliens. Caleb Williams might get abducted by aliens. So everybody, when you're looking at just yourself, yes, it's an issue, but in the bigger picture and then depth wise, you know, I don't know. Could, could Alabama survive without Bryce Young any more than Ohio State can survive without C.J. Stroud? I mean, Ohio State, frankly, has about the best backup quarterback you could hope for. It's a second-year five-star who's on track to be the starter, but is not a first-year guy. Like, he's ready to go. We're talking about – I mean, I'm making a case for, like, ah, I think Clemson will be okay at quarterback because if D.J. stinks, they'll just pay, play the five-star true freshman. So if C.J. Stroud got abducted by aliens, Ohio, Ohio State played the five-star second-year guy, they'd collapse. Why, why, why would already? I, why would I feel yeah. game? why would I feel like have confidence in Kate Klubnik and think that if they had to play Kyle McCord, it, the season would be over. It, it, I don't think okay. it would be the right. ceiling comes down, but could Kyle McCord get it together? Well, they're going to try to win a national championship with Kyle McCord in 2023. Right. So, I mean, like that's who do you want your, honestly, Steven, right. Mm-hmm. Top one answer on the board. Here's the question. Name the ideal description of a college football backup quarterback buzz, a second-year five-star recruit who's on track to start in year three? Is that not it? It uh, literally doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, so I think you're right. That's <laughs> exactly what it is, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the thing that I'm most excited about that I heard today was that if we're right, I think it means we all are in Arizona in uh, December, which is fun. Yeah. And then we're in L.A., right? Festival, yeah, and then we'd be in L.A., which I'm less excited about. But Arizona's nice. Which I think is its own little story because then the, you know, or if Ohio State and Bama both get there, two starting quarterbacks are both from LA. Do we? Uh, that's true. Uh, we come speaking home? of, uh, uh, mm, that's we just question. live on the West Coast for like ten days. I mean, we might as well. Just well, like, I don't think we would live at um, Camelback. I think we would probably live somewhere else. We'll get like a studio oh. apartment in LA for two weeks. I think it would be cheaper to stay at Camelback. <laughs> for two weeks in a studio <laughs> apartment in LA. <laughs> May, I don't think we'd be staying in a studio apartment in LA. I think we'd be staying in like Compton or East LA or, or something like that. Kim yeah. Stroud, I don't know if you're listening to this or not, but yeah, theoretically here, if Ohio throw, State goes to the national championship, the basement. can yeah. I stay at your house for 10 we'll days? We'll share a bed. Three of us in one bed. It'll be fine. We'll squeeze in. <laughs> like Charlie in a chocolate factory here with the... <laughs> That's exactly what I want to do. Is share a bed, bed with which... two middle-aged white men. That's exactly what I want to do with my time. <laughs> You're in the middle, but for sure. By the way, Steve. yeah, yeah, for sure. for sure, for sure. And we'd sleep head to head to foot, right? We'd sleep. We'd, we'd we'd change it up. I don't know if that makes it better or worse, but it's. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't usually know why that's the solution, because it's like all the things. It's like oh, because if you sleep like. Head to head to head, it's like, well, this could happen. It's like, well, sleeping head to foot is better. So that's true. Then you've just got you got face. You might get feet. kicked in the head. You got a face full of feet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this won't actually be an issue. Uh, we will actually, thanks to the support of people like you that are listening to this, that won't be an issue. We will be able to have like normal adult accommodations for Ohio State's postseason, regardless of where it takes them. But follow along all season. Get the text, 614-350-3315. Doug, what do we want to tell people about how the pods are going to break down this season? Because they are going to be a little bit different as we go into the season now. So what we're going to do, we're going to have a Monday podcast, typically, that Nathan, you and I will kind of be breaking down the weekend that was. We'll be reviewing Ohio State's game a little bit. We'll be looking at the national picture. 
I think we'll do a little what you're watching, what you're eating as part of that. So it'll be like a, a Monday pod, kind of like we did last year. Then on Tuesday slash Wednesday, again, we have to take a break. I'm going to be doing sort of like a rapid fire, 10 things about the team where I'm going to get the texters involved, but it's just going to be me. And we're going to run through a lot of stuff and get a lot of takes on like what was just said on Tuesday by Ryan Day and the people we talked to. And that'll be out like either Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning. Then Thursday will be the three of us reacting to what players said Wednesday night, plus probably doing a lot of rapid fire Q&A with the texters. Friday, preview pod. Saturday, post-game pod. So those will be our five pods to get it. But I think we have this thing that is coming together. It's not quite together as we record this at 5.15 on Friday. It's almost all the way together, and it's kind of a big project. And assuming it comes together, which I'm not sure why it wouldn't, we will have a Tuesday morning pod this week about that thing. So this is your Monday pod. I think there's going to be six pods this week because the Tuesday morning pod is going to be this big, giant thing that nobody else is writing about. It's not giant news. It's a giant project. project that we did. Yeah. So look for that on two, like you just, you guys subscribe, right? They'll pop in your feed if it's there. If it's not, it's not, but that'll pop up at some point, And I think it'll be Tuesday morning. That is the plan. I, as we were sitting here, I did get a text from our boss or a, a an email back from our boss who, who edited my version of that. And it did not start off saying, what did you do? You're fired or you have to rewrite this completely. It sounded hey, like me too. It sounded like a pretty favorable response. So uh, that that should run, I think, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday next week or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, as you're listening to this on Monday, Monday, we think the first piece has run on Sunday and the second piece has run Monday morning and the third piece will run Tuesday morning. That's what we think. It's possible that it winds up being Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday instead of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It's possible it winds up being Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But we think we're hitting you with three big pieces this week that are related to Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State's place in the college football world. And then we will have a podcast discussing that subject and the stories we have written, which we think will be the Tuesday pod. In general, I would encourage people Monday mornings, early in the week, Tuesday mornings, cleveland.com slash OSU. We're, we're trying to hit early in the weeks of games with some interesting stuff. and Or get the app. We have a cleveland.com app. There's an Ohio State button you can go down to. It takes you right to our OSU coverage. So uh, just check in there. I know that there's a lot of people who listen to us primarily through this, and, and they're you're fully in on the podcast, and we appreciate it. But we do do some other stuff, and we're going to try to sort of talk about those sort of those things that we're writing as we go through the season. This can all kind of blend together, but that stuff will definitely be on the site, and I think you guys will find it, especially if you're into things like recruiting. There'll be some little interactive things you can play with. I think, I think it's going to be a fun project for people. For and me. I will say on the College Football Survivor Show, we – have a bonus episode each week. You get four bonus episodes a month for $2.99 on Apple. If you subscribe to us and, and do that, pay with your thumb. The bonus episode this week on the Survivor Show is Dark Horses for the playoffs. So Shahad and I are going to talk about teams that we have not talked about as contenders who we think could sneak in. And then for the free show, we'll make our picks. Pay with your thumb makes it sound like you have to like chop your thumb off and send it to Doug in order to get access to the podcast. I would hang your thumb on my wall. I would hang it on my wall. I would put it on a shelf. It'd be like the the, the store that like put like frames the first dollar it gets. You would like frame the first thumb you get. First for, thumb. 
And then I would use your fingerprint of your thumb to steal your identity, but I would put it on a shelf and admire it for a week first. You could, you could probably use that thumb at a gas station Bitcoin vending machine yes. and just take over the world. Yes, because acquiring Bitcoin means you're going to take over the world. <laughs> get, get worried, Elon Musk. Doug, Doug and his, his severed thumb are coming for you. I do know that Ohio State, when it sent out like its preseason, this is how stuff's going to work at the stadium. There's something about NFTs, and I accelerated my retirement clock when I saw that. I, this, for, this world for, is not for me anymore. For, for, for Doug, NFT stands for no blank thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. I don't know what it is, but it's fine. But I'm probably no longer should be here. Well, none of us should. We're going to wrap up this episode right there. For Doug Maurice and for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.